my heart to sing thy grace streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me
puppet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Well, good morning, and uh, thank you for joining with us again uh, for this wonderful worship service that we're going to have together. And I know this, again, is um, um, not the normal way that we would have a normal uh, a worship service, but I'm thankful that you're still hanging in there with us. And again, I want to encourage you this morning to uh, to get your Bibles, um, maybe gather around with your family and, um, and follow along with me in the Word of God. I'm going to show you some things in there today that I believe will benefit everyone. And so um, <clears throat> if you can do that, it'll greatly benefit you, I believe. You know, right now is a time that um, we have a lot of idle time for a lot of people. Um, maybe not for everybody, but I'm sure that for, for several people, there are, they're off from work or they're not able to work right now and they're, they're locked up in their house. They're, they're not really able to go anywhere. And so... Um, I got to assume that there are several of our church members out there that they have a lot of idle time on their hands. And you know, the Bible has a lot to say about idleness, and it's not good. It's never good things that the Bible says about idleness. Um, the old saying goes that um, idle time is the devil's time. And so um, we, we learned that that whenever we don't give ourselves something to do, that um, idle hands will find things to do that are usually not good things to do. And so I want to address that today. And really the, my, the topic of my message today is stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Um, you know, we still have fleshly desires and, and there, are, there are several indulgences that it, that it would love to feed on. But we have to learn how to stop that. And I don't want you to think when I say stop it that I mean to just stop doing bad things because it begins in the heart. And so we have to get to the root of this, of how to stop the indulgence of the flesh. And so we want to look from a biblical perspective as to what God has to say to us about how we are to get to the root of stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so um, uh, get your Bibles out today, and we're going to be in the book of Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to focus at. I'm going to read a few verses out of Colossians chapter 2 just to build some context. But again, um, my, my focus of my message today is stopping the indulgences of the flesh because I feel like that'll be beneficial to many people today with the idleness that we have today. Now, if you're, if you're like me, um, this time period hasn't really gave you idleness, but instead it's increased your workload, uh, or it has for, for, for myself. But everybody's not that away. I'm going to say that it's probably just the opposite for most people. 
that this time has really slowed things down, which again, I think is a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I also believe that if it leads to idleness, that it can be a bad thing. Uh, you know, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11 has this to say about idleness. It says, For we hear that there are some among you who walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. And so we see there that just in that example, that um, idleness led to uh, people being busybodies, uh, gossips, slanders. And so uh, if we don't have idle time, we find something to do with our time. And so it's usually not good things. And so we want to focus on that today. And the book of Colossians has a lot to say about, and again, you'll see why I entitled it, Stopping the Indulgences of the Flesh. Um, but before we go any further, we'll read the text. But before we go any further, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. And then we will get into our text in Colossians chapter 3. So pray with me. Father, we come to you right now just to say thank you for, um, Lord, just another breath of life. Father, we know that every breath we have comes from you. And if you don't give us our next breath, we don't take it. So, Father, we want to say thank you for another breath of life. And, Father, we just um, we pray right now that we would learn to use this life that you've given us to honor and glorify you. I pray that you would forgive us where we fall short of that so often. But today we want to hear from you and your word, and we want to, um, we want to hear what you have to say to teach us how to, to not indulge the fleshly desires, but instead to, to focus on putting that to death and feasting on You. And Father, I pray that we would learn to live a life that is truly honoring and glorifying to You. And Father, I pray that, uh, that Lord, that, that again, forgive us because we don't do that. Lord, there's so many times that we fail at that, but we want to grow in it. We want to be better. And so, Father, we ask you today to teach us, to show us how to do that. Father, we pray today for our nation's leaders. We pray for the leaders in any, in any capacity, no matter where they are, Father. We, we pray that you give them wisdom. Father, we pray that, um, uh, Lord, that you would deliver us from this trial that we're in, if it be your will. Father, we pray that we would... Um, We'd be able to return back to work and businesses would be able to reopen. And that, that Father, that, um, um, Lord, we can get back to some sense of normalcy, um, if at all possible. And, Father, we pray right now for um, <clears throat> the people that are working in the midst of this. Father, we pray for our doctors and our nurses and, and anyone in the health care field that, Lord, is um, around this in any capacity. So, Father, we just pray for them today. We lift them up to You. We ask You to protect them, protect their families, and keep them safe. And, Father, again, we just pray that if it be Your will, You deliver us from this trial and that, Lord, we can get back together quickly. Father, we just pray that You'd give us guidance to know when that day is and 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 how to go about it when that time comes. Father, Lord, it's going to be different for a while, and I just pray that you would help us. Lord, we, we need you, and we ask you to guide us through this. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in Colossians chapter 3. And um, I'd like to read verses 1 through... 17 very quickly. So follow along with me 
Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, this is what it says. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these things you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. Here there... Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God." And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So one of the things that I want to do is build a little context around this so that you can understand chapter 3 just a little bit better. Now, if you were to go back to chapter 2, one of the things you're going to notice is that he has to address a false teaching that this church has fallen into. Um, this church was a church that was established by Paul in a way. Um, he was preaching in Athens, Greece, and they believed that during that time he was spending in Athens that um, one of the, mem one of the um, citizens of Colossae um, was there in Athens during that time. And he heard the gospel message and was saved. And then he went back to Colossae, and then that's how this church began. But somewhere along the line, because uh, apparently they didn't have solid teaching there, they fell into some false teaching. And so Paul has to write this letter to address the teaching that has fallen on this place. One of the things that we learn about this is that they were a religion that held to a lot of uh, Judaism, law-keeping. And so they believed in observing and, and observing strictly and that if you don't do these things, if you don't observe these Jewish laws, then you're not saved. And so again, they were believing that salvation was coming through observing these um, laws that were in the Jewish faith. For instance, um, uh, keeping the Sabbath day holy, um, other holy days that they had to keep, festivals, foods to eat or not eat. And so there were several different things that they, that they had fallen into. And we'll look at that in chapter 2 in just a second. But also they had fallen into angel worship. They had, they had fallen into um, 
what I would consider kind of like what um, some of Catholicism does today in the worship of saints, um, if you will, um, the celebration of the saints. They wouldn't necessarily call it worship of the saints, I don't believe, but when you look at it, that's what it is. And so um, they have fell into a category similar to that, but instead worship of angels. And we'll see that in just a minute again. And they had also fallen into, if I'm pronouncing this right, asceticism. And so basically that is severe self-discipline and just complete avoidance of all worldly things. So again, they believe that their salvation is based on keeping the Jewish laws and then worship of angels and then severe self-discipline and just forcing themselves to abstain from all worldly things. So they basically believe that all the worldly stuff, no matter what it was, was evil. And so they just stayed away from all that and just followed the Jewish law and that's all that they did. And this was the way that they were believing for their salvation. Now let's look at it so that you see it for yourself. In Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 16, listen to what Paul says to them. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So again, there you see that he's talking about the Jewish law, what we eat, what we don't eat, what we drink, what we don't drink, um, festivals, new moons, Sabbaths, holy days. And so they're, they're believing that as long as they observe these things strictly, that this is how they are saved. And then in verse 17... It says, these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So in other words, yes, the Old Testament law was given as a shadow of what Christ was going to do, but Christ is the substance of all of that. The Sabbath pointed to Christ and and the rest that He was going to give. Uh, All the holy days and the festivals pointed toward Christ and what He was going to do. Uh, as a sacrifice for our sins. Um, All of the food and the drink, all of it pointed toward Christ. And so what what we have to see here is that Christ is the substance of it, that that's not how we're saved. And it wasn't how they were saved. They were saved by faith the same way that we're saved by faith. But look at verse 18. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. Again, severe self-discipline or abstaining from all worldly things. So basically they would say no cell phones at all, no TVs, no computers. Um, So basically they would look at anything worldly and they would say it's evil and the only way you're going to be saved if you stay away from all that completely. And he says, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. So we have to make sure that we understand that our salvation is not by following some religious code or even by severe self-discipline. Even if you did the best you can to never do any evil, it's not going to save you. It will disqualify you if you try to be saved in that manner. And then he says, let no one disqualify you insisting on the worship of angels. So again, this church is Worshiping angels. So again, you have the Judaism that is mixed in here. You have the, um, the asceticism that is mixed in here, the severe self-discipline, the abstaining from all worldly things, 
the worship of angels that's mixed in here. And then he says, going on in detail about visions puffed up with reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. So here's what he gets to. The only way you're qualified in the eyes of God is holding fast to the head. Well, who do you think the head is? Jesus Christ. The only way you are saved is by faith in Christ's sacrifice to pay for your sins. It's not through you doing good or following laws or through severe self-discipline or if you don't ever buy a cell phone, then you'll be saved. If you don't ever watch TV, then you'll be saved. No. Matter of fact, you'll be disqualified if that's what you think that you're going to do to be saved. So he says here to make, make sure that you hold fast to the head from whom the whole body, the whole body of Christ, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, and that would be you and I, all of us are joints and ligaments in the body of Christ, and we grow with a growth that is from God. As each one of us does our parts with the gifts that God has given us, we grow, but the growth is from God. And then in verse 20 he says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, so there's an if there. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to these regulations? So in other words, if you died with Christ, then why do you still submit to the regulations that are in the world? And then he gives some examples in verse 21. Don't handle, do not taste, do not touch. So again, he's talking about asceticism plus... Um, the Judaism faith of don't eat this, but eat that. And then he says in verse 22, these are all referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have, and here's the key to verse 23, here's the context. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. So in other words, they have an appearance of religious living. So it's kind of like, and I, I don't want to badmouth the Amish today, but it's kind of like what, the way we would look at the Amish. We look at their life and the way they separate themselves from the world and we would say, man, they're very religious. But here's what you need to understand. Even though it gives an appearance of religion, that's not what saves you. Just because you separate yourselves from those things, that is not what is going to save you. Now, yeah, we should separate ourselves from evil. Now, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that just because you separate yourself from all of the world and all of its technologies that you would consider evil, that is not how you are going to be saved. It is only by holding fast to the head. Christ Jesus, the one that saved you. Notice how he finishes this in verse 23. Remember, he says at the beginning, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. So yes, it looks good. It looks like this is the way that you ought to, um, that, that you ought to be living. Sort of. But it's a self-made religion. And it has an appearance of wisdom in promoting asceticism. So if you, if you believe that um, severe self-discipline and abstaining from all of the worldly things is what, is what saves you, then yeah, this has a way to promote that. 
and severity to the body. Again, they punished themselves as they, as they did any kind of evil. But notice what he says next. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. <laughs> no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So here's the key that Paul is getting to. Yes, we need to stop the indulgence of the flesh, but we're not going to do it by following laws. We're not going to do it by keeping holy days or keeping Sabbaths. We're not going to do it by, by eating this or not eating that or drinking this or not drinking that. You are not going to, to do it through severe self-discipline or abstaining from worldly things. The, that is not what's going to stop the indulgence of the flesh. This is a heart issue. So here's the question we want to answer today. How do we stop the indulgence of the flesh? So if you're taking notes, here's number one. In chapter 3, verse 1, notice what he says. Because all of chapter 3 is built on... Here's how you stop the indulgence of the flesh. Remember, in chapter 2, he's saying, here's what you've been trying to do to stop the indulgence of the flesh, but it has no value in doing that. Now chapter 3 is, this is how you stop the indulgence of the flesh. And the first thing he says in chapter 3, verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ. So the first thing that he gives us is that first and foremost, you have to make sure that you have actually been buried with Christ, your old sins have been paid for, and you have faith in that, and that that is how you were saved, and now you are raised with Christ. And what he's talking about here is he's talking about having a new heart. That's what it means to be raised with Christ. It means you have been born again. As Jesus said in John chapter 3, speaking to Nicodemus, He said, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He must be born again. We have to have a new heart. We have to have a new mind. We have to have new desires. In Romans chapter 1, I'm going to use my phone so that I can get there quickly. But in Romans chapter 1, verse... Um, let me look at it here. Verse 24... Listen to what this says. It says, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. So here's what we see. God has given us up to impure hearts. That's what Romans 1 tells us. So we don't have hearts that are pure. We have impure hearts. Now go down with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 26. He says, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, and so we don't have honorable passions. We have desires and passions inside of us that are dishonorable. So we have impure hearts. We have dishonorable passions. Now go down to verse 28 with me in Romans chapter 1. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. So there it lets us know that we have a debased mind. A, literally, minds that are... You ever heard, get your mind out of the gutter? Well, here's the problem. In your sinful heart, your mind is going to stay in the gutter. 
That's where it is because you've been given over to a debased mind. You've been given over to dishonorable desires and passions. You've been given over to impure hearts and lusts of the heart that are not godly. And so we have to be born again. And this is a spirit birth. What we're talking about here is the doctrine of Holy Spirit regeneration. Go with me to Titus chapter 3 so that you can see this. Because again, the first step is making sure that you have been born again. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Actually, we'll start in verse 4. Look what he says in verse 4. He says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy... And remember, He saved us, not by works, but by this. So notice what it says, by the washing of regeneration. Literally, regeneration means new life. It means to bring to life again. And so what we have here is the washing of regeneration. He saves us. The washing comes through the blood of Jesus We put our faith and trust that Jesus died to pay for our sins. And when we believe in that and we trust in that by faith, there is a washing that takes place that cleanses us and gives us a a, a clean slate, if you will, justified in the eyes of God for our sin. But notice it don't stop there. It says, saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So there is a renewing that takes place. Well, what's he talking about? Remember, we have impure hearts, dishonorable passions, and we have debased minds. And so there is a renewal of the Holy Spirit that takes place. So the Holy Spirit comes into our life. Once we have been regenerated and we've been washed, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, and now He renews our hearts He he gives us a new heart. He gives us new desires and new passions. And He gives us new minds. But it's a renewing process that takes place. It's not an overnight change. It is something that takes place little bit by little bit. So the first thing that Paul says in verse verse 1 of chapter 3 in Colossians is if you are going to stop the indulgence of the flesh then you have to make sure that you have been raised with Christ. Well, how do I know? Well, there is going to be a washing of regeneration. There's going to be a renewal of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be new desires in your heart. Now, I'm not saying that the old desires are completely gone, but now there is desire in your heart that says, I want to be pleasing to God. I want to live for God. You have a new mind that He is going to renew and He is going to fill with knowledge so that you can follow these desires of this new heart. And so you have new heart that's not impure anymore, but it's pure because it's justified by the washing of regeneration. I hope you're tracking with me. It's not that hard. And then you have um, new desires that come out of this pure heart that He gives you from the Holy Spirit. And then you have a new mind that no longer stays in the gutter, but now it dwells on things of God and it wants to follow the desires that God gives you to be pleasing to Him. So 
again, um, if you were raised with Christ is the first thing that Paul focuses on. See, if you don't have those new desires, at least a desire that says, God, I want to be pleasing to you. If it doesn't break your heart when you do sin, um, then you have reason to question whether or not you have ever truly been saved, whether or not you have the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I remember the time that that took place in my life. I can take you back to the moment when I remember that God wiped my slate clean because of what Christ had done for me, and that alone. And all I could do was beg for His mercy and His grace, and He gave it to me through the, what He did in his, through His Son, Christ Jesus. And then I can remember when I had the desire to just be pleasing to Him, to follow Him, to pursue Him, and I went after Him with everything in me. If you don't remember that time in your life, then I question whether or not you have truly ever been saved. And more important than whether or not I question it, you should question it. So the first thing is, if then you have been raised with Christ, so that's the first thing, you must have a new heart, new passions, new mind. Again, I'm not saying that the old stuff is not still there. I'm saying the slate has been wiped clean, the washing of regeneration. New life has been given to you. And now there is a renewal of the Holy Spirit that is taking place. And if we were to go back to Titus and keep reading, he goes on to say, whom God has poured out on us abundantly. So in other words, if you have been saved, you have the Holy Spirit. He has poured it out on you. And that Holy Spirit is going to renew your minds. But here's the process that the Holy Spirit uses. Let's go to step number two, Colossians chapter three. Step number two is still in verse one. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now here's the difference. We're, we're fixing to be talking about earthly things. Remember, they've been talking about asceticism and severe self-discipline and abstaining from worldly stuff. So he's not saying that there's not a benefit in, in that to some degree, because there is. But now he's going to contrast things that are above to things that are on the earth. And so the first thing he says is seek the things. If you've been raised with Christ, seek those things. Don't seek worldly things. Seek those things where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so here's what we see. If you've been raised with Christ, then you should have new desires. And if you have new desires, seek those things. Remember, your old desires are seeking all worldly things. The only thing you cared about is yourself and what you could do and get in this world. Now we have new desires if you've been raised with Christ. Desires that say, God, I want to be pleasing to you. I want to follow Christ. And now he says, if you've been raised with Christ, Seek those things and make sure that you understand that I am no longer pursuing these worldly things, but instead I'm seeking after those things. And then next he goes on in 
verse 2. And the third step, the third step to stopping the indulgence of the flesh is to set your minds on things above. Look what he says in verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. So again, he's contrasting earthly things and earthly living to where Christ is and who we're pursuing and who we're trying to please. So he says, seek the things, seek those new desires, and now set your minds on those things. You've got to give your minds new food for thought. If all you're doing during this time is laid back in your recliner or on your couch and just soaking up the television, I'm sorry, but your food for thought, that's not setting your minds on things of the world. I'm not saying that you have to turn the TV off and never watch it again. Uh, that Again, we're talking about asceticism when we start talking things like that. But I am saying that we need to set our minds on the new desires. We need to make sure that we are doing things that give our minds new food for thought. You know, I remember um, I used to have a, a strong desire for comedy and not good comedy either, not good clean comedy, just um, uh, worldly comedy. And one of my weaknesses was um, cartoons, believe it or not. I, I loved adult cartoons. I loved um, cartoons that, um, that were, um, there was nothing godly about them, but I loved watching them and I would laugh. I'd sit back and I, I, I would watch every one of them that, I, that would come on. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you, that ain't your problem. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And I can remember that uh, in my idle time, my mind would start going back and, and re- uh, reviewing, if you will, some of those things that they were saying and some of those things that they were doing. When things in life would pop up, my, my natural reaction would be some of the things that I was watching and doing. And so because I was setting my mind on earthly things, that's where my heart was following. And so we have to understand that what Paul's saying here is set your minds on things above. You have to give this new mind food for thought. You have to give this new heart food to feed on. And so we have to make sure that we're not setting our mind on worldly things, but instead we're setting our minds on godly things. And so that's the third step in this. Uh, the fourth step in uh, stopping the indulgence of the flesh comes from verse 5. Look what he said. Well, let's go through verse 3 and 4 real quick. Notice what he says in verse 3. He says, The reason why you should set your minds on things above, why you should seek the things that are above, in verse 3 he says, is because you have died. In other words, you're burying that old life with Christ. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now all that sinfulness and that old life that you had has been buried with Jesus and that's where it's hidden. God doesn't see it anymore. He only sees Christ when He looks at you. How do I know that? Look what He says next in verse 4. He says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So again, who is your life? Christ. Where is your old life? Hidden with Christ. So here's what happened. 
in salvation when you were raised with Christ, when God gave you a new heart, a new mind, and new passions, when He did that, what He did was He took your old sinful life and He put it on the cross with Jesus. He killed it there and He buried it in the tomb with Christ. Removed from you. And then you were raised up with Christ and now what God sees when He looks at you is Christ. So that's why he says in verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So Christ is your life, and then your old life is buried with Christ that died. And so that is what took place. God made an exchange. He took your sin, put it on Christ. He took Christ's righteousness, and He put it on you. He made an exchange that is out of this world. Now, notice what he says in verse 5, because here comes the fourth step to stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So here's what he says next. So we got to go through the first three to get to this one. So the first thing... Make sure you've been raised with Christ. Make sure you have these new desires to be pleasing to God, that you have this desire to follow Christ, that you have these passions that you desire to follow Him. You're still a sinner and you still fall short of those things, but you want to follow God. You have a new mind. So make sure that that's there first. But then seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above. And when you're doing those things, the fourth step, now put to death the things that are earthly in you. Now this is important because Paul could have started with this one. He could have said, okay, here's how you stop the indulgence of the flesh. Just put to death your sin. Just stop doing bad. But that's the problem because that's not how this works. You sin because you are a sinner. You sin because you have a sinful heart. And so we have to get to the root of this thing. It's not just about, again, as he was dealing with the Colossians, about doing holy things and being religious and going to church every Sunday uh, and, and severe self-discipline or abstaining from cell phones or TVs. It's, it's not about that. He's saying it's about being raised with Christ, first off, given a new heart, because that's where the problem is. Given a new heart, new mind, given new passions. And then you've got to set your mind on those things. You've got to seek those things. Now that you're doing that, you can put to death the things that are in you. Listen to what Romans chapter 8, verse 13 says, so that you know that what I'm telling you is biblical. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So let me ask you a question. Let me repeat that. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So how do we put to death the deeds of the body according to that verse? Well, he says it, by the Spirit. So remember, this is not just about you putting to death your sin. This is about doing it by the Spirit. 
Remember, God has given you His Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is renewing your mind. He's giving you new heart, new passions, new desires. So now take what the Holy Spirit has given you and by the Spirit, put that to death. So it's not just about stopping doing bad things. I can't help but bring this out today. I, I, I guarantee you that I'm talking to people that are addicted to pornography right now. And I can promise you that there are many people out there that are listening to me right now. And um, they are fighting with everything in them during this time to stop pornography. But there's so much opportunity because it's idle time. They, some, a lot of people don't have to get up to go to work early, so they're up late at night when everybody else is in the bed. And so there, there, there's probably all kind of opportunity for, for that indulgence of the flesh right now. If you have been raised with Christ, that tears you all to pieces. Every time you fall to that, every time you, you stumble to that, it breaks you. And you feel enslaved. What Paul is telling you here is that first off, that's a good thing because it means you've been raised with Christ. But it's also the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, this is not pleasing to God. This is not seeking the things that are above. This is not setting your mind on things that are above. This is not putting to death what is worldly in you. But instead, this is reviving things that are worldly in you. Notice what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then the first thing he names, sexual immorality, which is pornography, um, could also be adultery, any types of lust of the flesh in a sexual manner that are, um, that are not godly, outside of the marital bed as God has, um, has ordained it to be. And then he says, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And he gives the reason in verse 6. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. This is the reason the wrath of God is coming. So don't keep dwelling on worldly things, earthly things. Seek the things that are above. And so here's how you put to death the worldly in you by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and now He's given you a new heart, new passions, new mind. But we have to renew this mind. Remember in Titus chapter 3, He said we're being renewed, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So there is a renewing that's taking place. He's teaching us. And now we have to take that knowledge and apply to it. So here's the first thing that we have to do. We have to use the sword of the Spirit. Do you remember in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, there, Paul was talking about the armor of God? And do you remember what he said the only offensive weapon you have is? Everything else is, is defensive. Um, it's breastplate. It, it is helmet. It, it, is all, it is things that protect you. Shoes, shod, ready to preach the gospel of peace. Um, and so you have all these pieces of armor, but they're defensive. There's only one offensive weapon. And he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so you have one offensive weapon. Well, let me ask you a question. What are swords used for? In that day and time, what did you use a sword for? 
Did you use a sword to plow up a field? <laughs> well, swords weren't made for plowing. They were made for killing. That's what they were made for. And so the Spirit has a sword. And the Spirit is what we put to death the deeds of the flesh with. So we have to take up the sword of the Spirit and set our minds on the things of the Spirit in order to make sure that we use those to put it to death. But we have to take the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, and we have to respond in faith to it. Let me give you an example. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5 to the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, and I'll show you an example of what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter 5, let's look at verse um, 8, since we were talking about sexual immorality. But this could also go to any type of um, sin that is, causes you to be impure in your heart. Notice what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So here we have a beatitude that says, the pure in heart, they'll see God. And so that gives us motivation to want to be pure in heart. Now again, we're pure in heart by Christ's sacrifice. But now, because we've been raised with Christ, we have a desire to be pleasing to Him. And so even though we're pure in heart as far as it goes to our sin before God, we're not pure in heart with our desire to follow God. I hope that makes sense. We're pure in heart as far as our salvation is concerned, but we're not pure in heart as far as our desire to follow God. And that's why you feel so broken and so nasty when you, when you fall to things like this. And so we have to understand here that when we use the sword of the Spirit and we read something like that, we have to respond in faith. And faith would look at this and go, okay, blessed are the pure in heart, for thus shall see God. Now that's what I want. That's my desire. That's my passion. And so I respond in faith and I say, yes, God, I believe you. And I get up and I walk in this command and I say, Lord, I'm going to be pure in heart. And out of that faith in this, now I put to death the sexual immorality. Yes, it's still me that's having to say, no, I'm not going to fall to the sexual immorality. No, I'm not going to fall to this impurity. But it comes from the Spirit because it is the Spirit that has given me the desire to be to be uh, faithful to God. It is the Spirit that is renewing my mind. It is the Spirit that's giving me the sword to put it to death. And the sword is Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So by the Spirit, use His sword and put to death the sexual immorality. Put to death the impurity. And this is true for um, anger, lust, oaths, retaliations, givings. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5 in verse... Um, um, let me see where it's at here. Verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says you fool will be liable to hell, 
to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And so there again, you have a specific in the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And you can, if you are dealing with anger, and anger is what causes you to be impure in your heart or it causes you to, to fall short of fulfilling the passion of following God, then look for specifics in the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And then believe it and put it to death by faith in the Word of God. And again, you can go down through Matthew chapter 5. There's things about lust in there. There's things about keeping your promises. If you're not, there's some people out there that are not people of their words. You know, I've met people that they'll tell you one thing and never do it. And they're bad about that. It's like that is their weakness. It's like they'll, they'll tell you, yes, I'm going to do this and then never do it. And so maybe that's you today. It don't make you any worse a sinner than the one who watches pornography at night. You're on the same page as far as your sin against God. And so no matter what it is that causes you to be impure in heart, go back to the sword of the Spirit, to the Word of God, and by faith look for specifics in the Word so that you can put it to death. But again, this is not just about you trying to be good. i got to be good, and if I'm not good, then I'm not going to be saved. Wrong. You are saved by holding fast to the head. Please hear me on this. But because you've been raised with Christ and because you're holding fast to that head, seek the things that are above, set your mind on the things that are above, and put to death by the Spirit all the things that are earthly in you. I hope that makes sense to you today. And then in verse 10 we're going to get to number five. I don't have time to walk through every bit of it with you, but uh, look at verse 10. Remember, number four was put to death the worldly that's in you. But it's not just about putting to death the worldly. It's also about putting on the new self. We got to put on the new self. So we're putting off the old, but then we're putting on the new. Look what he says in verse 10 and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So there again, you see that you are being renewed in knowledge. I know there's many of you right now that I've already lost in this Bible study. I'm asking you to stop it, rewind it all the way back to the beginning, and stay with me again through it because it's through knowledge that you learn this. It's through knowledge that you learn how to stop the indulgences of the flesh, how to seek the things that are above, how to set your mind on things that are above, how to put to death the things that are worldly in you. Remember, putting to death don't mean just stop doing bad. It means kill it by the Spirit and use the Spirit as He has a sword that is made for killing sin. And so put it to death by the Spirit. But you have to be renewed in knowledge, and not just any knowledge, but knowledge after the image of its Creator. And so there is a new man that's being created 
after the image of the one who's creating it. So you are being created, a new person in the image of Christ Jesus who is making you new. And He's making you into His image. You remember Romans chapter 12 verse 1 or verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. We have to understand that we put on this new self by being renewed in knowledge. And here's what we put on. Here's what we learn in verse 12. So skip down to verse 12 with me. So put on then, here's what we put on. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Compassionate hearts. We have hearts that, that not just see a need and, and just have a desire to fulfill it, but that's part of it. Compassionate hearts are hearts that we see the hurting world and we want to do something about it, but it moves us to do something about it. And so we put on compassionate hearts. We put on kindness. We put on humility. We put on meekness or gentleness. We're gentle with people. We put on patience or long-suffering. I can remember when I was worldly, when I was a sinner, and again, don't get me wrong, I'm still a sinner. I'm still being sanctified and God is still making me new. But I remember back when I was early in this walk, um, I had I had problem with anger. I mean, I'd put a hand through a wall or throw a chair through across the room, or um, I I mean, I just I had anger issues. And so here he's telling us to don't have don't be the kind of person that has a short fuse. Make sure that you become someone. And again, it's not just about saying, "Well, I'm not going to get angry anymore. I'm not going to get angry anymore." No, it's about hearing the Word of God that tells us, put away anger. Put away anger. And then we listen to the Word of God and we say, okay, God, I trust you. I believe you. I believe you have the power to bring this to pass in me. So now out of that faith and the sword of the Spirit, I'm going to start putting to death my anger. And the more you keep doing that, you no longer become a short-fused person but you become somebody that it takes a lot to make you angry. And I still ain't perfected it by no means, but I am a person that I believe I can say today that you would have to really go above and beyond to make me angry. I mean, you're going to have to do, uh, you, you're going to have to really do something terrible to me to make me angry. And that's because I have a long fuse. I have put on long-suffering. And so that's what he's telling you here. This new self is being renewed in knowledge. It's a new person that's being created in you because of this new heart, because of this new mind, because of this renewed mind, because of these new passions, because of the Holy Spirit that is in you. And so now you take all that and you put on the things that He teaches you. And these are the things you learn. You learn that God is compassionate. And so we should be like that. You learn that Christ is kind. We should be like that. He's humble. He's meek. He's patient. 
He bears with each other. And we have to learn to, to, to bear with each other, to hold up under each other's flaws and failures. Um, and then he says, if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So these are the things that now by faith we're putting on. We're putting off the things that are worldly and now we're setting our minds on these things that are godly and we're putting these on. But it's all by faith. It's all because we're learning from the Word of God, we're being renewed in knowledge, and we're putting it into practice because we believe God. That is the right way to stop the indulgence of the flesh. And then let's go ahead and finish it out. I'm not going to take up no more of your time, but look at uh, the next thing he says in verse 14. And above all these, put on love. So again, he's still talking about here's what you put on. If you're going to stop the indulgence of the flesh, then you've got to be raised with Christ, seek the things above, set your mind, give yourself new food for thought. And then he goes on and, and, and he tells us to put to death by the Spirit, the things that are worldly in you, put on by the Spirit and by faith in the Word, the things that are being created in you by the Holy Spirit after the image of its Creator. And then all these things you're putting on, um, compassion, kindness, humility, long-suffering, bearing with one another, but above all these, put on love. You know why he says that? Because it is which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So love is what makes you compassionate. Love is what makes you kind. Love is what makes you be humble. Love is what makes you be gentle. Love is what makes you be long-suffering. Love is what makes you bear with one another. Love is what makes you forgive the way that you've been forgiven. So above all, just put on love and you'll be these things. And then finally in verse 15, if you want to stop the indulgence of the flesh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Again, it's not you're not saved because you do good now. <laughs> no, you still sin. But you don't lose your salvation because you still sin. So let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let that rule. The fact that Christ has paid it all. And now the reason why I feel so crummy when I fall short is because I have new passions and new desires and I didn't fulfill them. I haven't been obedient to God. I haven't been obedient to Christ. And so now I need to let the peace of Christ rule in my hearts and remind me that Jesus has paid it all. I confess those things. I repent from those things and I turn back to Him. I let the peace of Christ rule. What does it mean when something rules? It means it has control. It tells you what to do and you do it. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And then I could go on to the end of that. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, renewed in knowledge comes from the Word of Christ, which is the sword of the Spirit. 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So we teach each other and admonish one another. Admonishing means a gentle but stern correction. And so when I'm indulging in the flesh, I need my brothers and sisters in my life. I've been called to one body because it's made up of joints and ligaments that God grows it together. And so I need to make sure that I am dwelling in the Word of Christ richly, that I'm letting it dwell in me richly, that I'm teaching and admonishing each other in all wisdom, that we're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together that proclaim our faith in Christ with thankfulness in our hearts to God because of what Christ has done for us. And whatever you do, whether it be in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And if you can do those things, that's what it means to be saved. That's how you stop the indulgences of the flesh. You can't do it any other way. This is the only way. I pray today that this Word has, um, has helped you. And as I always tell you, I pray that this wasn't just a message today. I pray that you have been renewed in knowledge, that you've retained it. If you haven't retained it, go back and listen to it again and follow along step by step with me and you will see the Word of God unfold and the Holy Spirit will use this sword to kill the sin in your life to teach you how to put on the things that God is creating in you, this new man that's being created, and you will no longer be the same person if you put these things into practice. I love you. I pray for you. Keep on keeping on. Jesus paid it all. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Don't let anything else have rule in you. Let the peace of Christ rule in you. God bless you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
Praise God. 